and welcome to this week's episode of Inside the Post-Dispatch. I'm Leah Thorson. I'm a reporter here at the paper, and today I'm going to be your host, and we are talking about Ian Frobe's STL 100, the best restaurants in St. Louis. Um, This is a list that comes out. This is the fifth year, am I correct? Fifth year. And we also have some other people here to talk about what goes into putting this together. They are Josh Renaud. Ex- designer extraordinaire for print and he does a lot of really cool stuff online which is which I'm sure what a lot of you have seen as well as Hillary Levin who was the photo editor on this project so let's get started Ian can you give us a brief overview of what this list is and why we do it because it is a lot of work for you guys <laughs> sure I know. yeah so the list is um, every year I sort of take a look at what I think are the most representative restaurants of w- what the St. Louis dining scene is right now it's not mm-hmm. meant to be sort of the greatest hits necessarily, although you'll find a few classic St. Louis restaurants there. Um, it's really kind of a forward-looking, um, progressive um, list of, of, of what I think are the really important places, the, the great places, both um, expensive and everyday, um, mm-hmm. you know, places where you can grab a sandwich or places where you can, you know, sit down for a multiple course tasting me- menu. Um, and yeah, so this is the fifth year and uh, it's just trying to keep a pulse, you know, try to uh, keep these great restaurants honest maybe a little bit, uh, mm-hmm. you know, let them know that, that just because their review was filed a couple of years ago that we're still interested in them and keeping tabs on them. So what is what is the process for how you choose? Like, do you start with a big list and then whittle down or how does that work? Well, it started five years ago with a huge list uh-huh. of potential places that I whittled down, um, you know, painfully. I mean, there are a lot every year. There are a lot of places I want to include, but just can't. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, then each year I just sort of balance out, you know, all the new restaurants that have opened that year um, with, you know, I try to keep each year a pulse on some places that, you know, maybe I haven't been to for a few years. I, I check in on again to see if maybe they I've, I've you know, maybe lost a little bit of a feel for how good they are or how important they are. Um, I always go back to each restaurant on the list at least once each year to make sure that they are still, you know, living up to my my belief of how good they are. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it is it is a long process that involves a lot of staring at spreadsheets and lists and, <laughs> you know, arrangements of index cards with every restaurant's name on each one and trying to just figure out the best the best 100. So it's divided. So it's a top 25 and then rest of the best, yes. right? Okay. Yeah, and that's sort of, you know, uh, a few people have done top 100 lists in other cities where they ranked um, all 100, which I just boggled my mind in terms of the effort and the work needed to do that much. I just decided 25 was a nice, you know, Mm -hmm. um, stopping point because at a certain point, you know, how do you determine, you know, just say between number 51 and number 52, which is better? Um, You know, just the 25 is, is, you know, one person's opinion, so arbitrary enough. But yeah, the you know it's not meant to be a big gap. I mean, between these are 100 restaurants, not 25 and 75. It's just you know to keep things interesting to rank the top 25. And we have a new number one this year yeah. versus last year. Can you talk yeah. about that a little bit? Yeah. So this year, um, the number one restaurant is Vicia, which opened in 2017 um, in the Central West End, in I guess the Cortex uh, area of the Central West End. Uh, Michael and Tara Galina. Uh, Michael is from St. Louis originally, from Brentwood. Uh, he and his wife met at this um, this world-renowned restaurant. Um, about an hour outside of New York City called Blue Hill at Stone Barns. He was the chef de cuisine. She was in the front of house. Mm-hmm. Um, and they moved back here to open this restaurant. It's, I think it's fantastic. Um, it's, it's a little, um, I don't want to say divisive among St. Louis diners, but it's definitely different. I mean, you are dealing with food that is uh, very vegetable forward, not vegetarian. A lot of, you know, meat is used in the cooking as, mm-hmm. as you know, a, a flavoring or, or, or a cooking stock and so forth. But um, it definitely is not your basic meat and potatoes restaurant. So, you know, but I think what they're doing with food and with, with pushing St. Louis diners to really think about 
how we use vegetables and, and in the, kind of the parts of food that you might usually throw away in cooking, you know, like the tops of root vegetables, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really important, you know, with the way that food is going, the way that as much as we don't like to talk about it, as much as things like climate change are going to affect our diets in terms of what's what's resources we can use and conserve. Um, I think it's a really important restaurant. And most importantly, I think it's just a delicious restaurant. I think the cooking there is wood-fired mostly. Um, it is very elemental. Um, it's it's a really a great place to go. And then last year's last year's winner, Stone Soup Cottage, number two. Yeah. But you also have obviously I mean, very great things oh, to yeah. say about it. Yeah. Know, it's, it's, and that's what's hard, you know, and yeah. why every year I think, well, should I get rid of the ranking in general? Um, mm-hmm. You know, I Sort of, I, and I mentioned in the writing for this year's top 100. Uh, one of the reasons I sort of bumped Visia up is you can spend a lot of money in Visia. Make no mistake. I mean, you can do the <laughs> chef's tasting menu. Um, you know, you can get wine. You can you can go in there just as a, a couple and have a big night out. But um, they have, you know, a f- the menu is also a la carte and, and family style kind of. So you can spend a decent amount of money and still get a really representative experience. And you can go there for lunch and, you know, for $12, um, which is not the cheapest lunch in town by any means, but it's a reasonable mm-hmm. amount. Um, you could have, you know, two or three, uh, two items, I think. I think for 15 bucks you can have three, any three items. Um, I apologize if that's slightly wrong, but I don't have it in front of me. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can get a really great experience of this great restaurant for not a lot of money relative to the dinner prices. So it's, it's just, I think more accessible, which I think is important. I think, you know, especially these days, you know, so many people are interested in food and dining, but not everybody has the money to spend on the super high-end experience. So mm-hmm. with, the, with the obvious caveat that, yes, the top 10, let's say, especially, is very high-end restaurants on this list. Yeah. Um, it was important to me to put something accessible um, that's also worthy of the number one spot in the number one spot. So Ian compiled this list, and Josh is the one in charged with with making this look good and accessible for readers. So when when readers are let's let's say online, they go in, they want to search. What what options do they have for searching for restaurants on this list on our on stltoday.com? Well, when Ian was saying that he's looking at lots of spreadsheets and stuff, it's true. Like mm-hmm. th- we we really throw a lot of data into this. So you can all the restaurants are categorized by like where they are. Mm-hmm. So you can easily um, push a button and find out what restaurants are close to you mm-hmm. um, so if you're somewhere in the city or the county. Um, we have all the different like types of cuisine. You can sort by those. You can sort by price range. So Ian's broken out all the, the price ranges for the restaurants. Uh, that's important to me personally. I'm a, I have a family of six. And so <laughs> right. um, you know, Ian yeah. was talking about the accessibility of the restaurants. And, and um, you know, like we're more apt to go to places like, you know, The Vine or uh, La Tejana, Taqueria. Mm-hmm. And um, so you can find places, uh, whatever you're looking for, uh, whether you're looking for more expensive, you know, special night out or whether you're looking for, um, you know, breakfast or uh, so all those options are available uh, to sort. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and like Josh said, that's really important to me, too, because, you know, Obviously, I have an expense account when I do this for the for the newspaper, but, you know, I have a family of, you know, t- with two kids, you know, so mm-hmm. and my wife. So when we go out as a group of four, you know, we're not looking to spend a lot of money on our own. So, yeah, it's important to, uh, yeah, to have it not just be represented on the list, but for Josh to, to present it in such a way that it's easily searched, whether, you know, for price, location, because I know not everybody wants to drive all over the place right. like I do um, to go <laughs> everywhere. So Josh does a great job of giving you multiple ways to, to access and interact with the list. And another way you can interact with that is through Hillary's, the photos that Hillary coordinated and that she took photos of. So I think, I think food photography is one of those things that maybe it's Instagram, like we all think we can do it and we definitely <laughs> cannot do it. So what is, when you're, when you're going into a restaurant and you, you, 
need a photo. Can you walk us through that step of what you look for and how you set that up and your, your thought process in doing that? Sure. When I first go into a restaurant, uh, I like to shoot mostly with available light. Mm. Um, so I like to go during the day. <laughs> uh-huh. um, and I think Instagram photos, if you're going to do any <laughs> Instagram photos, breakfast and lunch might be your, your best option to, to get a window light. But um, anyway, I um, will look for a nice either something that can incorporate and tell me a little bit about the restaurant or I like to just come in real clean mm-hmm. and, and you know, showcase the food uh, and hope that they have a nice little area where I can, you know, set up a little bit of a, a small space. It, it's not always the most obvious space to the restaurant owner. They might say, well, how about over here? And I'll say, well, actually, I can do this right here. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not any place that they thought would be you know a photo place uh but mostly my 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 goal is to make the food look as appetizing as possible and the uh the chef when they know i'm coming they also try to make it look as Mm -hmm. appetizing as possible Mm -hmm. and so between the two of us we'll we'll try to get a photo that um makes people want to come in and eat there Uh, but a lot of it is you know lensing and um available light okay and sometimes a reflector usually Yes. So then do you and Josh work together then to try to figure out which photo is best to put online with what Ian writes? Is that how that? I think we do. You know, yeah. um, the the impact has to be immediate. So if I were to shoot a set that had a lot of elements in it and the reader couldn't see right away what they were looking at, I mm-hmm. just try to, uh, and he likes to, you know, have, have a, an image that people can recognize even in a small like thumbnail size or something like that that would entice them to try to to click on it and see it bigger oh okay so these photos like the stl 100 app is the photos can be small they can be big there can be a whole bunch of them together like if you're on the front page (laughs) and uh so that the photos kind of have to work in a lot of different contexts we want them to be like bold and bright and beautiful when they're Mm -hmm. big, when you're reading about that particular restaurant. Mm -hmm. But we also want there to be an interesting mix when you're looking on the front page and trying to see what what you're interested in reading about or what place you're interested in going to. So having a nice mix of different things, maybe seeing people eating versus close-ups of food. And so Hillary just does a great job of editing to give us a great mix of different kinds of visuals. It looks really great. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's looked great in the past, but it looks it looks really good this year. And while we're talking about those photos, like, Ian, are there any new restaurants on this year that have not made the list before? Yeah. That we've uh, had to go get photos of, oh, perhaps? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, uh, um, you know, each year there's usually a division between sort of restaurants that are new to the list because I reviewed them in the past year. So we have those new photographs in the bank already, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But then usually each year there's a, a – I don't have the number in front of me, but I would say there's usually a handful of restaurants that are established – that for whatever reason I've come to this year and have decided to put on the list. So I make sure that, you know, we go and, and, and you arrange those photos too. Um, like I said, it's really important to sort of keep the balance of new, established, mm-hmm. and also established but maybe overlooked, forgotten, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, no one person can keep track of every restaurant. So it's, no. it's important to sort of, you know, keep that, that balance of, of, you know, acknowledging the new because there are going to be every year there's usually um, – at least 10 to 15 new uh, open within the last year restaurants. Mm-hmm. And I'll say that 
even if you're an established restaurant, sometimes your menu changes so oh, yeah. much that to put a photo in there where the you can't order it anymore would be oh. a little bit silly. Like, you know, with Ellie and Olio or Visia, Visia, sorry. Um, <laughs> the uh, the menus are constantly changing, so we want to freshen up. There's there's a selection of restaurants where we'll go to more often to get those newer photos for the readers and there's other restaurants where the photos we've taken in the past will do just fine because it's still on the menu mm -hmm. it's still a good photo and it'll work yeah oh, and that's yeah. you know that's part of what we do with the list in general is you know restaurants are always changing chefs you know even if the owner chef is still there he or she might have a new um, executive chef in charge you know that often uh, Hillary mentioned Elia and Olio um, they they are on um, a new chef as of this fall so it was important for me to get back there and also photographers back there um, <clears throat> excuse me yeah so uh, it's it, you know, it's part of the reason we want to do the list is so that readers you know aren't always going back to something I or somebody else wrote two three four years ago mm -hmm. you know when that review um, as as sincere as it was at the time you know is outdated you know one other thing we did this year is we used to do a feature um, in both the print and the online where we would have like the recommended dish and I finally looked at the list this year and I was like, the number of places where I just put their menu changes often rather than mm. a specific dish, uh -huh. um, you know, it just, it was, did not do a service to the reader. So uh, we're, we're conscious of, like I said, trying to mm -hmm. make a product that can stand for a year until, you know, March of 2020, but also mm -hmm. is very much of the moment. Can you give a couple examples of some new restaurants that we are seeing on this list that we haven't seen before? Yeah, well, you know, we have a couple restaurants. Um, Several restaurants debuted in the top 10. Um, last year's best new restaurant, by my estimation, is this place called Savage, um, which mm -hmm. opened in Fox Park back in the fall. Um, really interesting guy. Logan Eli, Eli is the chef. Um, he's doing really interesting stuff with like fermentation, preservation, sort of like Vicia, kind of pushing what diners think of as normal restaurant food. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And he uses a lot of what he calls, you know, humble ingredients. Like, you know, he told me in an interview he would rather you know, make a basic button mushroom taste delicious than go to a luxurious ingredient like caviar or foie gras where, you know, the degree of difficulty is a lot less. Um, but he's really a fascinating chef. I think somebody that's going to be a major, major talent. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, this restaurant debuted in the top 10 this year, Billy Jean, which is two people who um, have been on the scene for a long time. Uh, um, Zoe Robertson, the uh, Robinson, Zoe Robinson, excuse me, the restaurateur and her go-to chef, Nee Sali, uh, they have uh, Barla Frere and Efratellini in Clayton. They open this new place in a very small space in the same neighborhood, which um, is just their masterpiece. I mean, the cooking that, that Nee is doing is fascinating, um, both continental and also drawing from his heritage in Laos and Southeast Asia. It's really mm. a fascinating place. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, any other ones we should be keeping on our on our radar as we start making plans for where we want to eat in the coming weeks? Um, yeah, well, you know, a great place is um, also debuting. And here's an established place that has sort of been reborn is Nippon Te, which opened out in West County in 2001. Um, Nick Bogner, who's the uh, son of the founder, and Bogner, Bogner, excuse me, has taken over and um, is just the best sushi in St. Louis I've ever seen. Um, he's doing really fascinating stuff. He went to a restaurant in Austin, uh, Uchiko, which is very renowned sushi restaurant in the country and, and studied there for a year. He's doing fascinating stuff in Nipante and he's going to open a new restaurant this year called Indo um, in uh, the Botanical Heights neighborhood or McCree Town as it used to be known mm -hmm. um, and uh, doing very, you know, 
elaborate tasting menus, but also everyday um, uh, fare. So, yeah, he's he's somebody definitely to watch and an example of you know a restaurant that's both old but new again that I felt important to, to feature on the list. Well, if you want to see the complete list, as always, go to stltoday.com. Um, and something, and if you want to taste the food on the list, it's our um, The Great Taste 2019 event coming up. So we're recording this. It's Monday, March yes. 11th. The taste is two days away on yes, the 13th. Yes, evening. At the Science Center, correct? Yeah, yeah it's the, we started doing it at the Science Center last year. Um, I had no idea what to expect doing an event at the Science Center, but yeah. it's really a great space um, spread out so you can sort of get to food stations without feeling cramped, waiting in line, which often at tasting events, including the you know, previous editions of, of our event, uh, is sort of unavoidable. But it's really nice um, you know, when you happen to go to a restaurant that's by the big dinosaur making noise in the Science Center. It's always a hoot. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. it's a great event. Uh, I believe general admission tickets are still available as we record this. Uh, mm-hmm. The VIP tickets sold out, but um, even just general admission, it's a really fun. Uh, the chefs you know, really do a good job of bringing representative dishes. Um, you know, so you can get barbecue, you can get some sort of high-end little, you know, bites, um, you get some satisfying little, you know, sometimes like slider-like dishes people will okay. bring. Um, it's a really, it's a really fun event. And you can see me. Last year was my first year attending that, and it was, it was awesome. Blew my mind. And uh, this year, definitely going to pace myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's important to pace yourself. And, you know, one other thing is like, Look for the places that actually don't have long lines. Um, you know, a lot of times people go to the names they know really well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know at these events in the past, some of the, like, the Pappy Smokehouses of the world. And I don't know if they're here this year or not. I haven't looked at the full list. But mm-hmm. they'll sell out of their, or not sell out, but they'll run out of their barbecue pretty quickly. Whereas, you know, other places that have great food, people might not know the name, but it's there and it's delicious and it's, you don't have to wait for it. Okay. Well, thank you very much for, for being here. And we look forward to hearing your feedback about about the list and hope everybody can get out to the taste. As always, you can find this podcast on stltoday.com as well as wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's iTunes, Google Play, wherever. Um, Also think about subscribing to the paper. You can do digital subscriptions. There's lots of options to support this work that we're doing. Um, Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.